Salty cast is salty. I'm uh, Scooby <laughs> I'm Jim Jam. And uh, Jimmy and I have a um, have a, like a bit of a unfortunate story to talk about. But you know, we <laughs> so, felt... so well, hold on, hold on. So, salty cast is salty. Are, are we are we just gonna let that go? Because I, I I I don't know if I can like morally let that slide, Scott. I'm I'm sorry, but. <laughs> okay. Do you want to start over? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm totally shitting you. <laughs> okay. Oh, jeez. See, our, our pre-podcast conversation was off the rails, and it's, it's, we didn't, oh, we didn't get aligned yeah. no, in no. time. We, we, um, I mean, I feel like it's, it's every other week. We just get like completely psycho before like starting an episode, or, or at least I, yeah. I do, and I sort of like pull you into it. Like I, I, the, well, like I, I allow you to orbit my psychosis. I feel like it's always the, the, you know, like last week we had a very structured, you know, several things to talk about were on point, but then these episodes where we have more just kind of open conversation, it just, it's, it's, you know, no, no holes bar, like all. To, to, to be totally fair, I actually like this a little more because I, I, I just, I like how ridiculous it gets. Like it's. No, it, I agree. It, 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 it's better than having just like sort of like a, two robots talking. Uh, not to say that, that we are that in other episodes but i mean it, I, I i i enjoy the humorous parts of of what we do and yeah, the serious parts, but anyway let's um, get down to business yeah unfortunately <laughs> the first topic is not that funny that we're gonna talk yeah, about but sadly um, yeah I'm, um, I'm already a little pissed so uh actually this is kind of a, a six degrees of kevin bacon kind of thing in, in the sense that i didn't i didn't know about the story originally um, I saw mm-hmm. Artist Catharsis, which is a great label, um, share a, 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 a Facebook post from Zeta. Now, first of all, I didn't even know Zeta had a Facebook page. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, if I'm being totally it, honest. It, it's not run well, so. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I had no idea. But then I was reading it, and uh, I was just skimming, and I saw something about, like, we haven't received any money. And I was like, that's weird. So I clicked on it. And the entire post, just, uh, it's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, th- thanks, everyone. We at Zadik are delighted that you have received your orders and that you were all enjoying the music so much. This was a labor of love for us. It took years to put together, and we spared no expense on making a package that was beautiful, elegant, and special. Unfortunately, we have not been paid. Not one cent. We are hoping that Pledge will somehow bounce back and honor its commitments, but in the meantime, we are initiating a new limited edition vinyl series to help Zadik get back on track. And then eventually it just goes on to, you know, thank their fans, more information. But that was kind of crazy because I wasn't that aware of what Pledge was or, or what yeah. they, they did. I uh, know you're a bit more familiar if you yeah, want to so, kind of go so over that. For those not totally familiar, um, Zadik's talking about the book Mariah, which John Zorn put out last year um, via Pledge Music, which is just like another crowdfunding uh, type of website. But it's, it's you know, sub- supposed to be geared towards music and musicians and um so you know scott scott texted this to me the other day and um he did some more research too and it it, apparently pledge music has not paid their artists at all and uh this this article that we found is from from billboard is is from fucking february 
<laughs> like, it's just, it really, this really bugs me, Scott. It really yeah, I does. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's crazy to think that, because I'm assuming that whole, um, the whole release was incredibly expensive for them to put out. I mean, it, it was, it oh, was, yeah. you know, like you said, like, I mean, obviously, um, it's no surprise that he believe you know Zorn believes that he put out even elk and you know great products. Yeah, but I, I mean, just just looking at it, yeah. it, it truly is. Yeah, um, like I, I I mean I feel like they the profit off of that like the mar- the profit margins are very thin because I mean that so the book Barai is like I want to say it's either eleven or twelve uh, CDs and uh, I think a little booklet. And like, and then put into like this beautiful like velvet lined box, and it's just like this beautiful thing. And like, it was only, I want to say, it was maybe one hundred and fifty dollars. Whereas you can you can buy um, Zorn's uh, parachute ears box set for like a hundred bucks, or maybe a little more than that, and it has less, even than the book Mariah. Wow. Which is just I amazes me. So it's just like I, the profit margins are already thin enough, and now they're just not getting paid at all. Which really, is, I mean, I'm pissed because like I, I respect John Zorn highly, and that he's you know done so much with his label for so little. Like, and you, know, he said in interviews before that like they barely break even every year with this record label. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you know. I think it's really it's it's only because of like grant money and donations that they've been able to even break even. You know, and I mean, I I mentioned to you that Zorn uh, was named a MacArthur Fellow uh, a couple years ago, so I think he probably put all that money directly into Zadig too, uh, mm-hmm. and still it's not helping. And it's just like, it, 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 these guys are just one. This is just one case of just. An entire website who's just not playing by the rules. Yeah, and obviously it's it's hard to know what I assume Pledge Music is being very careful about how they're addressing this issue. I mean, I mean they're very clearly in the wrong. I mean, there's there's too many artists claiming they haven't, you know, too many artists from all over the spectrum claiming they haven't been yeah, paid exactly. for this to be, you know, made up. Um, uh, I I assume what happened is they just couldn't they couldn't make the business model work and like that's not it, it's one of those it's a reason not an excuse um but what what i'm assuming happened is that they really they just couldn't they couldn't afford it you know they couldn't you know for whatever reason or they they couldn't manage the money well um and the, the, that's again, the thing like 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 you know other crowd crowdsourcing websites you know crowdfunding websites are like they're doing fine yeah, no, I, I mean, it probably it was an instance of probably just poor management or poor, you know, infrastructure. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, you know, look at you know, bank. I don't know, Bandcamp isn't you know a perfect analogy or by any means, but there are plenty of other crowdfunding sites, you know, specifically geared towards music that have, have done just fine. Uh, I'm assuming that the the founders or whoever was running Pledge Music just bit off one that they personally could chew. I, um, I don't know. There's something because I mean, like. I mean, I I know that like someone like like a um, like a Kickstarter, isn't exactly like one of the um, most uh, ethical of of websites out there. That like they they take a pretty significant chunk of 
you know, what these people are raising. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thing is, that, like, they could probably take less than that and still come off with a profit. So, oh, like, sure. I, it just, like, it just feels like that there's no excuse here um, for how it's being done. And, like, that it just... I think the worst part of this thing is, is just that, like, you know, people like Zadik, you know, people like John Zorn, they're, they're, it feels like that they're, they're one of the few people, few musicians out there who are actually really trying to do art for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not about money. It's about music. It's about, you know, enjoying music and listening to music. And for some reason, they just have to do this fucking thing. And it's just, it's really frustrating. Also, can you hear the, uh, I don't know what's going on outside? Leaf blowers? Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's some, some background music, some ambiance. Oh my god, I, I guess it's spring because the leaf blowers come out. So. <laughs> Which is not annoying at all, and I, it's not like I don't have my windows you know, open. They're, they're all closed, so thank you very much, New York. <laughs> um, sorry. So... Yeah, I, I, I find this to just be really annoying that, you know, let, like, it, it just proves time and time again that, like, not enough people really care about art for, art for art's sake, you know, and I'm not saying that, like, you have to be of that opinion of art for art's sake, because I think there are many ways you can take that, but, like, you know, like, the art needs to be free to be able to, you know, bloom, like and by free I mean like it, it needs to not have any sort of constraints when it comes to, you know, creativity. And Zadik is one of those few labels that is allowing that to happen. And it just sucks that they're basically getting fucked over for right for, for basically doing the right thing. So Yeah, I mean person I don't know how malicious this is on you know, I'm not trying to defend pledge music. Uh, I yeah, just, no, I I, 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 I know. I feel like there probably was some well intention, and again, it just was a yeah, matter I, they couldn't execute. I mean, um, it's I just, was, it's unfor- you, you go ahead. It's, just, it's unfortunate that um, this was, from what I could tell, uh, a spe- specifically for music, obviously, but specifically to support the things you're talking about, and they, they couldn't pull it off for whatever reason. And I'm hoping it doesn't have um, larger repercussions. Like, I'm hopefully, yeah. w- w- with. Um, with well, the release they're trying to do now to recoup the cost, hopefully that helps them break even on this project. Yeah. Hopefully the expenses aren't you know overarching into just their general operations. Although, I mean, if they're literally re- have not received any payment, I'm assuming that this is going to affect Zadik, you know, just the company in some. Yeah, way. I, you know, there is one point I want to bring up, and it's not I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm just curious why Zadik bothered to do this via pledge music like i it's it's not like they haven't done a big box set before that isn't that is interesting i mean mean, it's not again it's not really blaming them it's just is curious why like why did um zorn think that you know pledge music was worth i don't know that'd be an interesting thing to to find out or to ask and not not that we really have any way to do that but yeah you know just to somehow find out I, i just find that that choice to do that to be just strange because you know so basically like the the whole point of a crowd like of crowdfunding is that the site itself 
allows for greater, you know, uh, appeal and like greater marketing, you know, but the thing is like the market for this type of thing is very small. Mm-hmm. So you're not, re- it's not really like it's in your favor to go via pledge music. Like it, it feels like Xavier could have just done everything via their, like, their own website. Yeah, because I mean, is uh, pledge music is purely a crowdfunding site, right? Like they're not they're not contributing to like distribution yeah. or anything. Like, yeah, that, no. that, that is odd. Then you know, yeah, I, I, like if they were a site, if they you know helped with uh, like if they provided services for I don't know, you know, like they had a printing arm or whatever, you know, like you, you know what I mean. Then that could yeah. make more sense. But it, they seem to only offer. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's odd. Um, and I don't really understand it, but let's. I mean, I, I'm really hoping that you know something will sort of uh, turn out. You know, like that these guys will. You know, pledge music will actually. You know, come up with this money at some point. Uh, but until then, uh, fuck you, pledge music. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, considering how many um, how many people have. Came out, you know, come out and said this is a thing, and have have you know put these allegations against Pledge Music. I would be very surprised if there wasn't some kind of you know investigation or, or lawsuit or something. Yeah, and I you know if you look at this Billboard article, I mean the title is you know Pledge Music's failed promise leaves artists in limbo and the future of music crowdfunding in jeopardy. And I, I'm not sure how much I agree with that last part, but I mean uh, maybe in the sense of. It might scare people away from trying, like other people from trying this. Uh, I, I don't. Again, I, yeah. I agree with you that I'm not sure how much of that. Like, if I truly agree with that, uh, it might scare some people away. But I mean, the, the nature of startups and you know venture capital and whatever, you know, someone's always going to take that risk. Yeah, and, like, I, mean, I don't I, think this is the last time someone's going to try to <laughs> start I, a music funding. Yeah, I, I personally don't do a lot of like I don't really contribute to a lot of crowdfunding. Uh, mostly because of this exact situation that you know you're sort of giving these people money and they're not really doing anything and they're sort of fucking over the people who are actually doing something uh, so like you know unless it's a, like a you know a musician like I really adore like Zorn or uh, for instance like Protest the Hero um, like I think they're going to be crowdfunding their new album at some point and so like you know I, I wouldn't mind you know, I would definitely, like, you know, contribute to that, but like that—that's like an exception, really, because like I mean, even with even with Protest the Heroes Pacific Myth series, I, I waited until that came out in CD and just bought the CD mm. because I I just I I didn't feel right contributing to a program like that, so, but that's that I I I, I personally just don't, I don't want to get too salty here because like. I mean, this thing really gets me angry, and and I, I this isn't like you know this isn't I I when we started this I did not intend for it to be an, like an angry reaction type of thing, um, and I mean I I still stand by that you know so like I'm all about talking about things you know coherently and you know with some intelligence so um, and Booby can't do that. <laughs> I think I think maybe then it's time to move on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I think this is definitely worth bringing up if, if only yeah. to or you know if, if the only purpose of 
pointing people towards this. I don't know what this final issue is going to entail, but yeah, I, um, I would say like you know if if I mean if anybody listens to this thing, um, you know, if if this is something that means something to you, like you know, definitely try to buy some of those Zadig vinyl reissues. Or, you know, just buy something from them. You know, just support them. You know, support independent artists. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are plenty of avenues to, to do that. And um, yeah. clearly, Pledge Music is not one of those. So Sadly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we've got an anniversary, Scott. We do, and it is an anniversary that I was... Uh, it's... I mean, I guess when I, when I step back and think about it, it's not a surprise this album is 10 years old, but it just doesn't feel that way. I mean, this, yeah. this is an album, uh, yeah, Crack the Sky by Mastodon, that, um, I mean, I, I listened to this, you know, when I was in high school. Like, this just it, it felt like a new album then, and I yeah, guess it just, it, I guess it just means that I'm getting old. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we're, 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 we're definitely turning into dads. I mean, you, you more than me, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> you yeah, NPR listening cool. motherfucker. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I'm not. I'm uh, not even gonna push back on that. You, 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 you have no defense. Um, like, but yeah, I. So yeah, we're talking about Mastodon. Crack the sky turns ten this month. I think almost to the day. Actually, I think it's like yeah, March. Tw- it was March twenty something. So. March twenty fifth. I want to say. Yeah. So. Something like that. So it's very, we're, very, we're very pretty close. timely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, when we were, I, when I was doing some research just for, like, to see what anniversaries there were this year, when I saw this, I'm like, yeah, I don't even care if, like, like I mean, I knew Scott would be on board with this, but I'm like, we're doing this. We're fucking doing this. Like. Yeah, for like, sure. Because, I mean, this is, I, I mean, I, would I be wrong in thinking that this is Mastodon's magnum opus, especially considering how their career has taken sort of a, a bit of a turn? After this, I th- I think you get some pushback. I think because people people like Leviathan, yeah, uh, a lot, and it, and Blood Mountain. Yeah, I would but, say that, and then some people even like permission. But you know, it depends. Like, do you like the sludgier aspects of their sound? Do you like you know when they got more progressive? Obviously, with Leviathan and Blood Mountain, they kind of went somewhere in the middle, and, and you know, Crack the Sky was. I mean, obviously, they had the remission and, and called the Leviathan that were the two, you know, the really sludgy phase. Um, then they kind of did a mix with Blood Mountain. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Leviathan cracked the sky. Was I would say it's kind of the culmination of um, their kind of grander songwriting. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. Sure. I just I feel like I, each of their album offers something different. I'm not sure if I would be comfortable saying it's my favorite, I think the reason it definitely is a pinnacle for their career in the sense that every album after has really been below. Like this is almost a universal opinion of Mastodon fans. Like I, except for maybe, um, once more around the, the new, sun. no, what's, what's the newest one? Oh, Emperor's Sand. Yeah, I feel like that—that's the, the the most recent album that some fans have been like. You know what? I I, I actually don't mind this. Um, I I actually haven't even listened to it, and I I love Mastodon. Like, I mean, I, I like their first four albums are like I I I adore them. So I've probably listened to them more than almost any other metal album I have. Like, 
I, I think they're fucking fantastic. And I say this to someone also who didn't even like, you know, I, it took me a while to get him to Mastodon because I, I don't know if you remember, um, uh, colony of Birchman was on uh rock band two. Yes. It band was. Two. Yeah. And like, I remember playing that song and I'm like, this song is poo poo. <laughs> 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 like back then. And, uh, but then, you know, this is the album that sort of changed it for me. That really got me into everything that they had to offer. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I'm not even, I'm not even sure if I listened to this thing before buying, I think I just bought this and just like, was like, okay, let's do this. Cause like the, the, the cover is magnificent. Um, I mean, they, all their covers are, I mean, up into this, you know, afterwards, I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm kind of the same mindset. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, I feel like it, it's interesting um, with this, and of course, you know, then I, I kind of went back and thought about the, their, you know, the, the preceding albums, but in, in thinking about, I mean, I, I like, it's just The Hunter, right? It's, it's, uh, it's been so long, in terms of the, the, the name. The one that came after Crack the Sky? Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's called yeah. The Hunter, right? Yeah, it's, it's, so, yeah I mean, the, it's The Hunter, then I want to say Once More Around the Sun, and then uh, Emperor's Sand. And I don't know. I feel like they they seemingly just forgot. They forgot that they used to be able to do some of the things they stopped doing. That's well, kind of well, a convoluted way of saying it. But I feel like they wasn't there a, like a Brent Hines interview where like he said a bunch of stupid shit, like almost like Mikhail Ackerfeld. Yeah, he's like, I never, I don't even listen to metal or whatever. Like, the, it was, it was dumb. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I think, the, I think the funny thing is that they, he was trolling. They, but. Well, they, they, they met at a high on fire show. I so, know. So it's like, like that's like, not. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like from the, the the albums afterward, they just they either just they used to be able to synthesize sludge and you know just melody. And you know, progressive ideas and something like a, a tad of psychedelia, which is something I love a lot on uh, on Crack the Sky. And I, I mm. just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they, they just didn't. They forgot that they could do all those things at the same time. And then you know, in, in some cases, they basically just made radio rock. In some cases, they kind of made cut and dry stone rock. Like I, I think that's been the reason that Crack the Sky is such a pinnacle, is because it does. It's probably the best example of them doing everything they do well all at once, you know, all on the same record. Yeah. And then immediately after, they seemingly, you know, forgot how to how to do something they literally just did. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure how much I totally agree with that with like sort of your reasoning there, but like, I mean, they, it, it's it's undeniable that they there's definitely just like this divide between crack the sky and the hunter that has just like never been like fully closed again um but you know i i i i personally don't want to focus too much on the latter half of mastodon's career because i think they they have such like i mean those first four albums are almost completely flawless in my mind and like this is like the pinnacle of that of those four for me uh, and just, it's been such a long time since I've listened to this album, too. And it was just so great to listen to it again. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Just, I, what I find amazing is that the, this thing is 50 minutes long, so it's almost an hour long. And yet, 
it is just a very very tight 50 minutes it's it's that is one of the craziest things yeah it's like something even though it's only 50 minutes long to me one of the only criticism i'd have is it feels too short even though it's not yeah like, exactly which is I, it's really like, weird and it's weird because like you know it has two tracks that are over 10 minutes long mm. <laughs> like I, I, which again i just find that like, incredible that they're able to sort of just really just trim the fat on their songwriting like that closely that just like every single second really matters and really gets you into it and just like I, I what I found really interesting listening to it this time was just sort of their choice of melody sometimes that like you know like sort of like um the chorus on Oblivion you know how they sort of the notes that they choose to make up these these tracks mm-hmm. um just you know it was very like it has like this weird mystical vibe to it which i mean it, again goes into like the whole um concept of this thing which I, have you ever looked into the concept of of crack this guy no because i i know I, I have an idea or like i have a general understanding of what it's about but not anything yeah I, I i'm with you too like it, it it's something to do with like um this I think it's like this quadriplegic who somehow is is able to tra- like you know travel through time and through dimensions, and so he meets Rats Putin, uh, right during the uh, the <laughs> the early communist resolu- revolution when uh, when the czar was assassinated, and uh, <laughs> I don't know it's you, you know what the, this actually kind of reminds me of um uh, High on Fire's Dave Dave Verma's Mysterious. Yeah, uh, just in the way that it's just like, like the concept is like, it, it's kind of cool, but it's at the same time it's just batshit insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I'll have to say, I, I I find the notes to be, like, just, just sort of their their choice of melody to be really interesting here, especially on like, uh, uh, especially on quintessence. Like, I love that riff, that like. It's just super fast, but just it has like this this like esoteric edge to it mm-hmm. that like I just cannot get enough. Like, yeah, I, I part of this has to do too with um, you know I think Brett Hines, uh, you know how I I think he learned how to play banjo before he played guitar, if Ooh, I remember correctly. Which, and that is such a cool element on this album. Yeah, so like it, it, you know, it gives rise to a lot of these like strange, like open notes, and sort of like these odd, you know, like like notes that don't entirely make sense uh, when you first hear them, but then once you sort of are encompassed with like the larger aspect of this album, really fit in very nicely. Yeah, I mean, something that I, I love a lot about. Um, this album, you know, front to back, is that it, it truly does feel like a journey, and there's so much creativity yeah. in each song, um, and especially you know, like Divinations, obviously, is the big hit, you know, lead single from this album. Yeah, and it just it feels so much catchier and so much bigger because it is the you know kind of standout radio. I mean, I, I don't think it got much radio play, but like if there was no. a song be featured it would be that um see i i, I would i i'm honestly more a fan of oblivion than divinations not, not to say that divinations is bad 
uh, by any means. It's just that like like something about Oblivion really gets me every single time I listen to it. And part of it has to do with just the chorus, because the chorus is just like just fucking magical, like <laughs> like. I, and, and I, you know, just but falling from grace because I've been away too long, leaving you with my lonesome song. Now I'm lost and oblivious. Like, like I just find like the lyrics and everything in that song to be just, just so perfect. Um, yeah, even throughout, it's just everything is so is so fleshed out. Yeah, uh, exactly. That is, like, that, that's, like especially yeah. on like the the, the czar, the czar suite. Yeah, was really cool. Just like, and especially how they were able to sort of take these themes you know like sort of like that uh that intro uh riff that they started the beginning of czar with and how they sort of kept like playing around with it and changing it as time went on um and you know like like that sort of refrain of like don't stay run away you know they're planning assassination (laughs) which is like again like and it's sort of how they're able to seamlessly transition to these different parts within this single track mm-hmm. was was just amazing because i mean like i other bands that do this and you know i think this is the third week in a row that that we've referenced between the berry to me but like you know listening to colors i i always felt like it was very forced like the, the way they would do these transitions between sort of styles which you know is in itself isn't bad uh, because I, I mean th- that's like the whole point of naked city arguably mm-hmm. but like you 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 get the feeling that that they're trying to be like super cool and super intelligent with that with like all these different changes whereas i, I think mastodon does this just through sheer songwriting not through like any sort of you know special bells and whistles mm-hmm. um which again i, I gotta hand it to him for doing that um i'd also say you know, Brett Hines' vocals are are very odd. I I mean, they've always been odd, but they're really odd on this album. And, and I say that in a positive way because I think it's what makes the album. It's it what gives the album like such a distinct flavor. Yeah, and and something else I like in general is uh, I believe that um um brand oh my brand god Daler, yeah the, the drummer the, yeah thank you I, I was gonna say brand Daler, but like it's just kind of a weird name like it is not to be a dick but it's not like you know like john smith so like <laughs> but so, so so basically anybody who's not a white cpa <laughs> okay we're not going down this it's too early for this jimmy um anyway um I, this is. I, I think he contributed vocals before. I'm pretty sure he did, but this is. Yeah, he, some, he some does of, it on Oblivion. Well, well, I, I, I mean, I mean, Oblivion's before, actually the first time I think that he actually sang. Yeah, I was like, I'm. I'm I don't know for. A, I don't think he sang before on like any of the previous albums, but like having the three, uh, the three vocalists on the album is just so cool. Um, yeah, they each bring something different, and it's just very. Um, it just adds so much more. It just kind of feels very like a lot of moments in this feel very Floydian to me. It's not overwhelming, but there are a lot of you know Freudian? it's like a Floydian, not not oh, Freudian. Floydian. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Freudian. Yeah. Okay. So we're um, talking about different, very different things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the 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 way that you know multiple vocals they don't really harmonize that much, but just the way that they you know trade off and sing in different parts. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, it's it's really well rounded in that aspect. 
Yeah, and especially some of the you know the mild psychedelia that's you know it's not overwhelming in any moment, but just add some nice flourishes, uh, just some great. Uh, yeah, like it, I think the fact that this is you know their least aggressive album to date uh, is definitely something that aided this album in being what it is. Um, I think that obviously there's some great you know heavy sludge moments, but focusing more on that exploratory part because they've they've had that forever. You know, there, there are songs on remission that have that kind of, you know, wheeling and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, slow, I, melodic. Uh, yeah, Joseph Merrick uh, off off of Leviathan yes. yeah. has that very odd um, type of sound to it. Uh, is it just me or are, are the, uh, the leaf blowers getting louder for you? Or uh, It's not really bothering me, but I'm, okay. I'm, not, I'm not there. Yeah. So. You, you are not there. Yes. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, I can't bastard. really say much. Uh, anyway. Because I, I just have this feeling that I'm like I'm gonna look at like this album like I, I, at my track later, and it's just gonna be all just like ruined and just like peaked because of this. So like, um, yeah, Scott, I really think that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I. So all this is like this is just such a it's a tight album. It's incredibly well written, and you, you're right. Like I, it's not their heaviest. Though there are some heavy parts within this thing, you know. Like, like I would say, like Escape, part of the Zara Suite is, yeah. is pretty. Like I, I would say, like the latter half of this album has some pretty heavy parts in it. Um, you know, I, it, but but it's not like it's a dominant feature, as like as it was with like even with like you know Blood Mountain that was you know they were adding some more prog to it. It was still pretty fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, no, it's this is. I mean, that's the thing. This is one of my favorite albums. Do you, do you, do you remember that that Mastodon T-shirt I used to have? Yeah, like, with this one. Yeah, like I mean, I, I wore the fuck out of that thing, like <laughs> to the point that I I I think it's all just like ripped and everything. <laughs> I, I just like actually, you know. Side note, uh, my Bad Brains T-shirt has started to do that, which is oh. very sad. Time to, reti- I, time to retire it and get a new one. Yeah, sadly. That's Which, I mean, I don't mind because, I mean, gotta got love those bad brains, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and one of the things... Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, let's see, one of the things I like about doing these anniversaries is I forgot how much I love Mastodon. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I know, we, I agree, we don't want to focus, you know, too much more on their the latter half of their career, but... Unfortunately, they really have. Uh, they, they, they've taken a bit of a nosedive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, they really have uh, fallen from grace, um, and feels like they've been can... way too long. <laughs> Fuck yes! Fuck yes! Um, this is this is why we do it, this. <laughs> but it's crazy because, like, re-listening to this album, um, I was like, th- I can't. Obviously, I can believe it's the same band. I mean, I mean, they didn't change that like so much as to not sound like. You know who I, they are. I get what you mean. But... Like, it, it, like, um, I think we were both, uh, yeah, because I, I, you were a senior in high school when the Hunter came out, and I was just starting college, and yeah. um, I, and, I remember and I, I liked it, but yeah, I, I liked it at not... first too. I mean, I, I, I bought it on release today. Same thing with um, Machine Heads, uh, Unto the Locust, which I still think is a good album, but uh, yeah, not, not part of this conversation. Um, you know, but but you got to admit that that. There is just a huge discrep- like there's a huge difference like like it just 
you can it, like it, it in a way in some ways it doesn't even feel like the same band when you listen to the hunter uh like it, in a sense because like you know like a track like the curl of the burl which is a great yeah track. that's it's exactly probably, what i was gonna it, bring up yeah like it's probably my favorite track off of that album but like even like even that was just like wow like and i, I mean i I, I give them props for wanting to explore something different, but uh, it, it just it, it kind of sucks that they weren't able to bring that same quality in songwriting that yeah. they did to you know earlier albums. And I think in some ways that that's uh, maybe this is the another way to approach what I was trying to say earlier. Um, with that drop off, maybe that does solidify the fact that Crack the Sky is their magnum opus because they've never. And I don't, I don't know what personally happened because obviously they, they, they decided, you know, collectively to change direction. I mm. mean, I mean, you know, the, the, the three albums they've just released have much more in common with each other than with any of the albums. You know, there is a very obvious divide in their discography. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is the last moment where, because um, they could be heavy and have some creative flourishes. Because as much as I love, you know, Curl the Burl, some of their... Um, you know some of the songs on that album, especially some of the newer tracks. Like I think I didn't listen to the entirety of Emperor of Sand. I did listen. Oh, I, I think I did actually. I listened to most of it. I, I sat down and tried to listen to it. But that song "Show Yourself," where it literally yeah. sounds like it sounds <laughs> I, like Mastodon. Yeah. Either it sounds like Mastodon trying to sound like Foo Fighters, or you know, vice versa. Um, it's it, it's just not a good song. It's just not. It's a very lazy. Um, kind of epitome of basically if you had to pick a song that like this is what's wrong with Mastodon that would be and obviously not every song they write sounds like that but just the they used to have such creative um on every level you know like the vocals would be so much more passionate the, you know, the guitar yeah. the, the guitars they would just have like that's something I love about Crack the Sky is that um you know, take a song like Divinations like that is the like catchy big chorus melodic song um but even so like the guitar riffs are still great like on the chorus like there's some great riffs some great you know you know um you know progressions that you know yes it's still catchy yes it's still um like more of a melodic track but there's still so much interesting about it and it's still so well written and i feel like that's kind of what they've lost and yeah the the energy in a way yeah shifts yeah um, but, do you have a favorite track off of off of this, by the way, or you know, if you can pick one? Um, I would say I just Divinations is such a great track for, for mm. me. I mean, that that was one of the first. Um, I kind of taken a break from Mastodon at the time, and then after hearing that, I really um, jumped back into um, you know to what they were doing. Uh, yeah. I really, really love. Uh, um, Oblivion as well. I mean, I think those are the two like phenomenal songs to open up the album. Mm. Um, the Czar Suite is phenomenal. Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, like the entire album really does unravel in such a a really enticing way. Uh, the the one thing that again, like I said, that I might say is a weakness is, despite its length, it does feel a bit short. I wish there was maybe one 
one more song yeah like divinations or um you know like just it, it feels like there's but in the same sense I agree it's, it just that's what makes it feel so tight is that there's really only one like every song explores a new region of, of what this kind of framework and, and you know idea of, you know, of concepts can accomplish yeah um, so but yeah like I mean it's just it's it's something that unravels so well that it's it's hard to pick a, a favorite track I would say just because of the immediacy of divinations that would probably be what I, I would pick um, yeah, but it's amazing how well these tracks just work and and, and and flow together, and how much they accomplish in their own right as well. Nice. Yeah. No. I I I definitely I, I get you there. I think personally, I think Oblivion is still my favorite track off this thing. Mm-hmm. But listening to this thing again, like Quintessence, I I is really up there. Like I really like that riff to Quintessence. I think it's just really cool. Um, yeah, but um. Yeah, you have any uh, anything else we want to talk about with this thing? No, I just want to reiterate. Oh Jesus! I just want to reiterate um, that I love the fact that uh, we're doing this segment. I mean, I hadn't thought about Mastodon for well, okay, I hadn't thought about them positively for quite a while, <laughs> and after listening to this, I was like, man, this uh, yeah. this is this is this is awesome <laughs> like this band used to yeah. be one of my favorites there's a reason that i used to listen to their stuff all the time and and i'm i'm totally really with you i want to put on i want to put on my copy of blood mountain now i want to see i don't think i have leviathan i, I own both crack the sky and, and blood mountain on vinyl um pushes up yeah. glasses um, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I i'm in agreement though like like uh when i was listening to this this week i'm like i i felt the same thing i'm like Fuck, I forgot about early Macedon. I'm like, yeah, like, and I'm I'm pretty sure that's how I'm gonna spend like the next week is just li- like just really spinning all those old albums. Yeah, um, especially especially Leviathan. Leviathan's always been an interesting album and, and Remission. I mean, I and Blood Mountain. <laughs> Let's be they're all great, but like, they, I I also like how they're they're all so different as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, despite being, you know. From this, I, I like it's it, it is strange how they're able to explore these different sounds and have each album sound like like its own thing, and yet part of a larger whole. I, I that's something that just amazes me in general. There's a lot with a lot of bands and sort of how they're able to do that even within an album itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, so we have one last thing, and uh, we were talking about it a little bit last week. In our last episode, yeah, I don't even know how we got on the, the subject, but it just yeah, happened. Yeah, uh... I, I, oh, I, I think we were. Oh, it, we went down the rabbit hole because like, we were listening to yeah, the Sonic, Sonic Gar- yeah, yeah, yeah Sonic you Gar- Disturbed Gar- and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do, do you want to you want to explain this or? Yeah, so we just kind of decided to pull together. Um, I don't know if we did it fully the same way, and I know when I said sent Jimmy what I was thinking of doing, he was like, "Oh boy." I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do all this, um, but I I just kind of approached it, you know, like my top and bottom covers of all time, and kind of looking at um, some covers that have have stuck with me over time, and some covers that kind of annoy me to an extent, and, and yeah. I think are overrated because uh, I feel like that's just to get a bit a bit meta for a second. I feel like that's 
covers are a very delicate territory. Mm. Um, there's something that easily can, you know, like most artists is just going to be like, Oh, that's cool. And then people move on. Um, yeah. And then in a lot of cases, uh, it's, it's kind of poorly received or people are just like, yeah, that's, you know, that was just not as good as the original, blah, blah, blah. It's very rare that a cover, uh, you know, gets on the same level as the original or kind of transcends it. Transcends it. Uh, and I think that it boils down to a reinterpretation that kind of keeps the spirit of the original. And that's very, very difficult to do, I, I think. You know, like just in terms of, of the covers I've heard, um, well, it's it's very difficult for a band to simultaneously not just feel like they're just playing the same song over again, um, but yeah, also I, do something that is, yeah. So I'd like to make the argument that I, I think sometimes it's a reinterpretation of the song spirit that that makes a cover interesting sure. and not yeah, necessarily keeping that. the same spirit because uh, one of the tracks I know that you're going to talk about um, I think reinterprets the spirit of the song a little bit um, but yeah like, like there's definitely it's it's there's a very fine balance to be had with a cover song that like you, you don't want to just be like ripping off the artist um, you know you, you don't want to make something that sounds exactly like it but at the same time you know you you don't want to stray so far away from it that it's just nothing mm-hmm. uh, like it's again it's all about that middle ground um, so you know so Scott sent me uh, a list sort of and so yeah but, like, so I just I plucked out you know four categories from it as well so favorite cover least favorite covers most overrated and most underrated so um i do do you want to just swap and go go through these basically yeah i'll I'll quickly go over two categories that um well like i I was a little bit different you you oh well i would say like you do you do your favorite i do my favorite and then we just keep going down yeah Um, but i think i had six and i I wanted to get like the, the yeah you, you actually, can you explain that? Because, like, some of them, you said the exact same thing. Like, you just said favorite covers, and then you included, like, an entire cover album. Uh, one was... Well, the two categories that I think were... Um, I did f- favorite covered song and least favorite covered song. Um, it, it's just one that's kind of more pervasive mm-hmm. in, the, in, in culture. You know, just kind of the, the general idea. I, I, was, I thought... I thought a lot about this, honestly, because I, I felt like it, it was it was. I was trying to figure out where to put what where, and I thought this was a good way to 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 do it. So just to get those out of the way, my favorite covered songs in general is any Beatles song, which sounds weird, but just to quickly explain, um, I think just I don't. There's something about the Beatles themselves. I, I don't know if I don't love their. But there's something about their performance of their songs. It never quite hits the level that other people experience with them, but for some reason, when other people cover Beatles songs, I just I love it because I think they're phenomenal songwriters, um, and the, what people bring to it, and obviously the passion and and what they took from Beatles songs, uh, always makes for a good cover. And my least favorite covered song that's covered all the time is "Hallelujah" by Leonard Cohen and, Je- and Jeff Buckley. Well, Jeff Buckley is the one who made it famous. Yes, yeah, he's the one who made it famous. So, like a lot of people credit him, but Leonard Cohen wrote it. And the reason it's my least is I actually love Jeff Buckley's rendition. I I love Leonard Cohen's rendition. 
I feel like that is the quintessential, you know, people just singing it to prove that they can sing it. Like, yeah. It's the quintessential, like, famous cover song that no rarely anyone does anything to. And I think that's a shame because it's a beautiful song and I love both the original renditions, but it's, it's so unfortunate that people just seem to... They just... They sing it to sing it. It's, kind of, it's almost like... Prove me you can sing Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You." Yeah, or like one or, of those. Or it's it, it's like you know the the one guitar song that that you know how to play on guitar is Wonderwall. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's almost like like a proving ground, and it's it's no one seems. To, I mean, it's a difficult song to add to just because it's so um, the lyrics are so intricate and and like the development. Uh, I mean, I love that song. Um, yeah, you so. know. So listen, I I've actually never listened to Jeff Buckley's version until yesterday. And I am not a fan. <laughs> really? Um, I, I'm not going to say that's bad because it, it obviously isn't. But it just feels like it feels so passionless. <laughs> really? In a way, which is which is such a strange thing because people are like, people will probably be like, oh, of course it's like it's all passion. I'm like, it just feels like he's not trying at all during it. Like, I mean, and to be fair, I'm a big fan of like having these singers who like pour their heart out into what they do. Um, and I think I, I just didn't feel that with this Jeff Buckley version, but you know, that's me. Um, what, what did you have for your favorite, uh, be, besides, uh, covers of Beatles songs? Oh, actually speaking of that though, uh, have you, have you ever heard Aerosmith's cover of come together? It's weird. Like when I, when I pulled that up or when I searched, uh, just to see if I was missing anything, a lot of people said that was one of the worst covers of like yeah. it was a bad cover. And like I like it. I mean, I I'm, I grew up my, my mom. Yeah. My mom is a big Aerosmith fan, so I mean, I don't like it as much as the original. But like, I think it's fine. Like, I, yeah, I, see, I, the, I like, like it. But I mean, my parents are really big Aerosmith fans too. Like to the point that like my parents would watch them practice because <laughs> like they used to live like right in the area uh, where my parents grew up. But um, really, wait, really? Seriously, I'm not even joking. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that said, I, I don't think it's that great of a cover song. Like it, it's fine. It's not like people think of it as really shitty. It's really not, but I, I still think the original is a lot better. Uh, if only because of just, I, I think McCartney's bass playing on that sort of makes it a whole lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so what was your favorite? Because you, you, I think you said it was it was Hurt, the Johnny Cash version of Hurt. My yeah, my favorite cover song is is Johnny Cash version of of the Nine Inch Nails song. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's just such it's 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 also it's a matter of context as well because that was released you know right around his death and uh, it was also right after his wife died, um, mm. so it just added an extra layer. But even without it, uh, it, it just it, the way that it reinterpreted the you know what Trent Reznor wrote yeah it's just it, I, it just it's it's spellbinding to me I that, think that's a phenomenal cover that that's what I was just gonna that's what I was saying earlier was mm-hmm. that um I think you know Johnny Cash took the spirit of that song and slightly turned it mm-hmm. a little bit because I think with with Trent Reznor it was like I think for him it, it was about just it sort of being in this pit of despair and like this sort of disgust with your own life mm-hmm. um you know and a lot of that i think came from his own you know problems with drug use um 
you know, whereas with Johnny Cash, I think it's, you know, I mean, he's, he's near the end of his life, you know, you know, he's lost his loved one, you know, that type of thing. So, like, it, it has, it has just, like, a slightly different approach. Like, it, it'd be, like, like, the Hurt, like, like the Nine Inch Nails version is sort of, like, this rusty razor blade, mm-hmm. in a way, that, like, it'll cut, but it will not cut cleanly, whereas, like, Johnny Cash's is, is a lot smoother, a, 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 like, as, like, you know, in this razor blade uh, analogy, anyway, that, like, but but at the same time it, it you know in a way it sort of hurts more um yeah for sure yeah. and i definitely I, I like how cash's version is a bit softer and and just kind of a sadder just you know general sadness um yeah it, it, i think the fact that he replaces uh you know empire of shit with empire of dirt and like softens yeah, or, 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 or crown of shit with crown of thorns <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which, which um, I, you know, I'm I, not a fan of, but <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's just me because I, I I like I like those 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 naughty words. So, well, I mean, I, I feel like it just fit. I feel like it would have been weird. It it would have been weird in the con, you know, in the context of what yeah. Cash yeah, was no, trying to do. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, um, I just, that always is for the longest time that that's been my favorite cover. So that that, that one was pretty easy um, for yeah. me, honestly. So, uh, what's your favorite cover? Uh, so I have a lot of them, but I kind of um, settled down on one, which is uh, Rage Against the Machines cover of uh, Renegades of Funk, which is uh, you know originally by African Bambata and the Soul Sonic Force. Oh, uh, which a, yeah, that's a great cover. Yeah, well, so have you ever listened to the original? Ah, uh, I don't think I, I've definitely listened to the Rage Against the Machine version. I don't yeah. think I've listened to the original. I had never listened to the original until yesterday when I was researching for this thing, and it is like. Do you, do you remember that Herbie Hancock track that's like him doing electronic music? It's called uh, Rocket. I think so, yeah. Yeah, or, or like uh, the Beverly Hills Cop theme. Because like it reminds me a lot of that. Like it's just that it's it's like just pure 80s cheese. Pure 80s cheese, love it. Yeah, but, but, it, but it has like that early hip-hop sort of flavor to it at the same time. And like it's... It's a little cringy to go through. If anything, I would suggest watching the music video, but turning the volume off. <laughs> because, well, no, because cause you see the, like, the like the Soul Sonic Force are, like, all dressed up as, like, Roman soldiers and, like, like Arab sheiks and things like that. And it's just hilarious to watch. Um even though the subject matter of the song is is a little more serious um but honestly i i love how rage um took you know what was an okay song and made it into like an amazing song that like mm-hmm. they, they really poured all their energy into it um which i mean you know no shit giving their name <laughs> but yeah um like you really like like they sort of knew how to like just put this song together and, and arrange it perfectly for their own sound. Yeah, and absolutely. I, yeah, I, I just, like, especially just the beginning of it, just no matter how hard you try, you can't stop this now, you know? <laughs> and just, like, and then even, like, that breakdown with the, uh, like, the, uh, that move, sucker, move, that that thing. Dance, sucker, dance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was, I, I, I thought it was just, it's such a great cover. I, I was actually so... When I was 
thinking about how we would do this because I didn't know how you were doing you were gonna do it. Um, I was actually considering listening to all of Rage Against Machines Renegades and then listening to the originals of every track and doing the same thing with Metallica's Garage Incorporated. Um and just sort of doing like that type of thing and like maybe then listening to like a bunch of really famous covers of stuff. And then I sort of got into like this whole deep well of of, of cover weirdness where I found like um there are like raging at some or not raging uh Depeche Mode tribute albums with, with like Romstein doing like Depeche Mode covers and like um Def, Deftones <laughs> does a does a pretty cool cover of uh to have and to hold off of the music for the masses. I also um, really like uh Deftones cover of uh Simple Man. Um oh, fuck. It, it's a car song. Oh, who's gonna uh, take you home? Yeah, yeah. Tonight. Like that's a ri- that, and that fits their stuff. Like Chino does a great job on that song. Um, yeah, like that, that yeah. feels actually there's a lot of great covers. Yeah, uh, they, well, they have a whole co- covers compilation um, as well. Uh, but all I have to say is I I so I I had a lot of different options, but I ended up just going Renegade to Funk because I just think it's just a great track. Um. How about least favorite? So I I I kind of cheated a little bit on this because yeah. the only thing that or I don't say only thing, but the number one thing that came to mind, and I just no matter how far I dug to find something different, I this just kept coming up. Just pick a six feet under graveyard <laughs> classics album. Yeah, I, I saw you just like but you included like basically like the whole series because I if I had to pick one, it would be the. The, they just literally just covered Back in Black by ACDC. Because it's not even just the... First of all, Six Feet Under is widely considered one of the worst de- like popular death metal bands. Um, I, they just... His vocals... I actually liked Barnes' vocals because he used to be, you know, vocals for Cannibal Corpse. I liked his vocals on Cannibal Corpse, but I don't know what happened. Six Feet Under has just become like the most boring, bland, cookie-cutter death metal band for me. Um... And for some reason, midway through their career, they decided, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're not, we're not even just going to, you know, do a covers album. We're just going to cover, like, entire albums. An entire, like, I think the most recent one was an entire, uh, it was, like... It was Iron Judas, Maiden. An Iron Maiden? Co- yeah, it was either Judas yeah. Priest or Maiden, I, I forgot. But the it was, it was, I think, pretty sure it was Iron Maiden. But. but, like, yeah, they just did entire covers of, like, a whole band. And, like, it's just... it. The whole concert just feels so lazy. It's not performed well. Uh, just everything about it is just... Like, why? Like, why are you... Who is this for? Like, who... <laughs> who... Yeah. I don't, well, it's, I don't it's, know. It's, for, it's for George Barnes. That, that, that's who it's for. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's such a, a gratuitous or, you know, kind of self-serving project. It's like, hey, like, you know, remember we listened to ACDC all the time growing up? Let's just do that, except, like, a shitty death metal version. Fucking block. I heard this hawk. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, but, like, actually, though, and it's crazy because they... I'm pulling them out. They have at least... Yeah, they have... Oh. They have Four whole covers albums. Like what? What band has four covers albums? Yeah, like, it that's is a little crazy. Weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've actually never listened to uh, any of those covers. Um, I, I think for obvious reasons. Yeah, because <laughs> I've never wanted to really do anything. But I, that being said, I've always had an interest in Six Feet Under. That like I've always wanted to like listen to their debut, um, just because of the way it's been described by some people. Um, but I think listen, if I listen to it, I probably would probably think the same thing that you do and just find it to be very boring. 
Yeah. Um, and, and what's what's weird is like their their first covers album. They it was you know a true covers album. They did a TNT by ACDC, Sweet Leaf, Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath. <laughs> um, they actually did a California Uber Allies by Dead Kennedys, Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. Oh, I actually want to hear that one. Yeah, I, the, the Dead Kennedys one. <laughs> so. Pur- yeah, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Um, like okay, like that's that's whatever. Um, but then they, they went on to just kind of throw like, hey, instead of just doing you know, literally. The Graveyard Classics Two is just, it, it's it's just back of black. It's just hundred percent just back of black, except you know, the gruesome like you know, gurgly yeah. death metal. Um, Which I, speaking of, have you ever listened to? Uh, so they did uh, this. This woman did a Cannibal Corpse cover, but on piano, and it was just so just vocals and piano. It it is it, it's it's the exact opposite of a Six Feet Under cover. <laughs> Basically, is the best way I can describe this, and it's just beautiful. Um, and, and still all the original lyrics too. So, <laughs> that's uh, that, that I would like to hear. Like, I feel like that's yeah. The, 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 that's worth checking out. It's a pretty, it's a pretty fun video too because she plays it, and like the people who are like watching her play, like end up like getting up and like getting closer and closer to her <laughs> until it ends, and they're they're just sort of just like sitting next to the piano. And like just being like, uh huh, like basically breathing down her neck is the strangest thing. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an awesome cover though. It, 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 just because you you don't expect it to sound like it does. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, because like you know, I there's like there's no like flatted fifth at all throughout the entire cover. Like it's all very like melodious and like you know mellifluous. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah. Um, for my least favorite, I, I, I had a couple that I was thinking going through. Um, I, I actually had Johnny Cash's version of Hurt on there really? for a little bit, but, um, I, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but one really stuck out to me as the worst and it's Miles Davis, uh, covering Michael Jackson's Human Nature. Oh God. I, yeah. I, I don't want to hear that. No, no, you, you don't. So. A little context. Um, this is off of Miles Davis's uh, album "You're Under Arrest," which came sort of after his whole like self-imposed exile in his apartment for like seven years, um, where he came back and sort of started doing this. I guess it was sort of like jazz fusiony, but it was it was it, it it veered much more towards smooth jazz than anything. And this this album in particular, "You're Under Arrest," was probably the greatest defender of that um and just i remember because i was i was doing a series of articles for heavy blog about uh you know late late stage miles davis um i could not believe how bad of a cover this is and it's not because the performance isn't bad but it's just like it's so by the note and like sort of lifeless that like you know but like the the backing instrumental sounds almost exactly the same uh really the only difference is is that you know instead of michael jackson's beautiful voice we have you know miles davis playing trumpet and it, it, admittedly you know he he's a good trumpet player you know for what he does um 
But it's just like there's no difference. He doesn't do anything different with it. You know, he hits like all the same notes the same way Jackson would. And it's just like it was like, what's the fucking point of of what is this? Yeah. And like, I I mean, I'm all for like, you know, jazz musicians taking a cover uh, or, you know, like doing a cover of, you know, an original song that was popular, you know, like that, that wasn't originally jazz like i mean big example john coltrane doing my favorite things you know um but like let's see like with that it it all comes down to you know coltrane's performance his arrangement of the material that you know if if you if he didn't play that like that little riff that makes that song what it is you wouldn't even recognize it in a way but you know this is just it's just sort of like copy and paste uh-huh. and then just sort of slap Miles Davis on top of it. So, <laughs> yeah, sadly. Um, what about most overrated? So for me, this has a bit of a story behind it. Um, okay. Can't wait. I, I, I don't know if... It's, it's not like a, a crazy story, but it's it's My Life by No Doubt, which is a cover of uh, Talk Talk. And... For years, I had no idea the Talk Talk version existed, like at all. And I remember at some point, I, f- I forget why, I think I Googled, um, maybe No Doubt was was reuniting. I, for some reason, I, I looked that up. Is, and... is this the track that It's My Life, Don't You Forget? Yeah. That one? Okay, because, yeah, th- that plays all the time in grocery stores. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I know what it was. Um, we were somewhere where the talk talk version was playing and i was like what like what is what is like isn't this a no doubt but obviously it sounded older because the talk talk yeah. obviously that came out in the 80s no doubt came out like i think the 90s or early 2000s whatever it came out yeah um and i was like what and so i looked it up and sure enough like i never hear the talk talk version virtually anywhere like i think that was the only time i've heard it played out but to your point the no doubt version is played like everywhere like it's, yeah. it's one of those like you know Muzak like you know like cookie cutter. Oh um, god! Yeah. And the reason I think it's so overrated is because the Talk Talk version is way better in my opinion. Like it's not even close. And the fact that the No Doubt version is is basically at this point the version. It's, yeah. It's kind of like with um, with Leonard Cohen and and Jeff Buckley is basically yeah. the Buckley version of Hallelujah is the one everyone knows. Or, or um, maybe a weirder example. Um, Banana Ram is cover of Venus is is like the official cover now, um, which, by the way, very cheesy song. I highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> go on. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's just kind of my main gripe with this. I think it's it's so overrated that to the point that now it is basically the like de facto you know the one everyone thinks of, but it's it's not even close to the as good as the original. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Unsurprised. I don't know if this is unsurprisingly most overrated for me is is Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. <laughs> um, Yikes. So yeah, is but it, but is, is this how our friendship ends? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I I was I was sort of gearing up for that too. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're, we're people just people having different opinions. What? No. Um, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, listening to it, like I I I don't think it's a bad cover by any mm. means. But, you know, I, I think when people when people say, like, oh, like, you know, what, like, you can, if you do a Google search for, like, best cover songs, 
hurt is the first one that will always show up. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, and I, part of that has to do with more of my own uh, relationship with the song than, you know, more like, because I think Johnny Cash is a fine version of it. It's just not for me. Um, I, I don't really like, you know, sort of the way, he, like, the, you know, um, the guitar is arranged and played. Um, you know, what, what made the original version hit so hard for me was because it was very, like, dissonant and atonal and just quiet and just had this this alarming dissonance about it that was was just, like, you know, something I had never experienced at the time. And I think around the time I was in Nine Nails, you know, like, I mean, I was in high school and like, I mean, <laughs> no, like, you know, surprise, surprise, high school fucking sucks, guys. <laughs> it, it's horrible. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I, I was a very unhappy person in high school and, you know, listening to that song really made me feel better. Um, you know, and I, I ended up, you know, quoting that song like all the time. Uh, like I remember doing like creative writing projects where like I would like quote Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not saying that this is a good thing, but but like I personally find the Nine Inch Nails version to be more cathartic for me, um, and I just find like I I I just don't think that Johnny Cash's version is that like adventurous of a cover. Like it, it stays pretty much to the basics. Like it's what what powers it is the emotion behind it. And but the thing is, you can say the same thing about the Nine Nails version, and you know, I I think you know again part of it comes from sort of the age discrepancy because you know Johnny Cash is you know an old man by this time when he puts this thing out, whereas Trent Reznor is like you know sort of just coming up and feeling like superstardom for the first time, and sort of is like being crushed by that. Uh-huh. And you know, so like you know, as as one of the youth, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I felt more towards the original. So that's just me. Um, <laughs> I know I know you probably disagree on like every point, but that's and that's fine. But that's just sort of how I feel about it. No, I, I mean I, I disagree on the the cash part obviously but yeah. like, i also love the nine Nails, the original i yeah. think both are incredible in their own right um but yeah no, I, I don't grudge you that yeah um anyway so your most underrated was actually pretty interesting i actually didn't listen to it because i i really just can't listen to that band anymore but um <laughs> yeah i mentioned it last week and the more i thought about it um and kind of as i was coming up with the different categories i wanted to do uh ghosts here comes the sun to cover the Beatles. I think this is underrated only because I would love to actually hear. You know, this is kind of hypocritical of me, but I would love to hear a Ghost covers album of like songs like this because I feel like this is such a cool. This is almost how I wish their career evolved. Like you know, similar to Opus Eponymous, but almost a little bit more you know poppy, but in like a darker direction. Um, I just feel like. They did this so well, and I would have loved to hear more of it. The reason I think yeah. it's underrated is because like no one talked about it. Like I, I think I saw it on like a stray comment somewhere. Like someone did a news article, but like this is not. I I, I don't remember back in the day seeing that much about it, and I think it probably was because it was a bonus track on the Japanese edition. 
Um, and I, yeah. think it, I think it was like a physical. It was some weird. Like it was very like they tried to make it um, kind of a, a deep cut. And uh, I just I wish it got more attention because I think it's a phenomenal cover. I uh, really would love to have you know, hear them do more stuff like it. I think they even played it live at one point, or or, or someone shared them doing it live. And actually, I would love to see Ghost live only because I've heard they put on a really great live show. Yeah, um, I, I believe that. But yeah, I I, I don't know. It's just it, it, that song that always you know through the years has always stuck with me, especially as Ghost's recent albums have done you know less and less for me. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still remembering that 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 review we did. Rats, of, of prequel. Oh yeah. wow, rats. Oh jeez, <laughs> I still can't believe Fantano loved this. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think it's a like a horrendous album, but it's just it's peak cheese. Like, obviously yeah. they've always had like that kitschy, you know, cheesy vibe, but like the songs of that album are just peak like. Um, it was as if they were tr- like purposely trying to write oh, like a, a, well, a kitschy rock opera. They were, <laughs> yeah. I mean, arguably, like, like I'm not surprised if they they say, "Oh, by the way, like we're going to be on Broadway next season." Like with, yeah. with <laughs> instead of we, instead we're of we're cats, actually part of have... the Cirque du Soleil, uh, you know, next season. So. <laughs> oh my god, I would uh, not be. Oh, I, okay. To be fair, I would actually see that if, if Cirque du Soleil and Ghost did a thing together. I, I, I would I oh, would just, go to see that. And I say this as someone who just because, does not like Ghost. So. Just because that, that, that would be such an amazing, hilarious combination. Well, I mean, Cirque du Soleil is just like, they're amazing. So No, yeah. no, they, they are, but it's just like, yeah. like the, it would never expect like Ghost and Cirque du Soleil. I mean, like, yeah, well, well, let's do it. Cirque, Cirque du Soleil does some weird things, man. Like, they, they, they did that whole Beatles thing, pretty sure. That's true. Yeah. That's like, true, yeah. They, they always do some weird stuff. So, um, you know, it, it's not like out of the realm in, in, in a sense, uh, but underrated for me. Um, so I'm going to go into it. But first, I just want to shout out because I think this is another great track that I don't think gets a lot of credit is, um, well, I mean, <laughs> another Rage Against the Machine cover, but it's um, their cover of Fuck the Police by N.W.A. Um, oh, that's a great yeah. one. Yeah, and I, I was trying to find it and they it's just like not online anymore. Or at least not not, not the version I would listen to. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it was a, like a live cover of it, but it's really it was really really good. And it was just like they they took the spirit of that song and just like hammered it out. Um, but that is not the one I chose. Uh, my most underrated is actually Metallica's cover of Astronomy by uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, oh okay. Which you know I, most people would be like, oh you know turn the page. Which is like I I think that's actually a better cover than the original, um, if you ask me. But I, there's something about this one track, Astronomy, that always really touched me a lot. And uh, listening to the original, like it just <laughs> the original feels kind of lifeless in a way. And um, you know, but this one, like the the Metallica version of it, is really really well made and just like. You know, you hear James Hetfield do some clean vocals that are really nice, and you know, um, yeah, it, sort of the, the groove once the start, uh, once the start, once the song starts up, is really nice, uh, and just like very, just it's, it's a very passionate performance, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's just 
fucking amazing and i i really wish more people would would focus on on like would like listen to some of the other covers that are on garage incorporated because there are actually some really good covers on it like they do a cover of am i evil from um diamond head and it's like it's a great cover um they do i think they do a bunch of misfit covers yeah uh, Dad by darling I yeah think is, yeah that, that yeah that's they, they, they do last caress and green hell yeah too Lovely uh, death. They oh, also do. Oh, what was it? They had a really, really great cover of. Um, well, no, it wasn't. I'm, so I think one of the first tracks on Garage Corp was uh, "Free Speech for the Dumb," the Discharge song, and th- th- that actually got me into Discharge. And like I, you know, I I have uh, I bought, you know, see nothing, say nothing, you know, hear nothing, say nothing, see nothing, say nothing, mm-hmm. um, because of that. I thought it was just like such an amazing track. Um, I mean, Discharge is fucking great. So, yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> yeah, I would say the only other thing I would just this is a, a pretty recent one, but uh, uh, oh, who does it? Someone does a a series called Like a Version, and it's uh, different artists covering you know different. Uh, I gotta look up who does are, it. Are but... you talking about the Denzel Curry? Yeah, covering. I, I I love that cover. Yeah, I, I thought he that co- was good too. He covered Bulls on Parade. Yeah, which is great. I, I I mean we're we're really we're really liking some Rage Against the Machine today, which I have no qualms with. I, yeah, they're they're like one of my favorite bands. So, um, yeah, no, I thought that that was a great version. I I personally like the original more. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I was, I mean, it's if only for nostalgia's sake because I was just raised on that, and so I just like, I'm just like, yeah, you know, uh, just uh, God, I, I, I just love that song so much. Just run around the family with a pocket full of shells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine uh, if you said it like that. You know, run around the family, pocket full of shells. The, 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 that's when William Shatner is will inevitably cover it. Just run around the family. family. Pocket, the pocket full of, full of shells. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Let's um. Albums of the week, album of the week. Because I, I please tell me we're only doing one each this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're already like pretty pretty long. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're we're, um, we're, we're way over. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Go ahead. Oh. Okay. Um. That I was actually going to try to figure mine out. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, um, but for I, me, I actually, I actually have it right here. Oh, so okay. I, I just looked it up. So um, I would say, yeah, if, if it was just an album, uh, bu- 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 probably Thirty Six Crazy Fists, uh, a snowcapped romance. Okay. Really solid metalcore. Uh, probably my favorite metalcore band, actually. Uh, I I love this album. I've loved this album for such a long time now, and like I finally just turned it on again yesterday while playing some video games. It was just like I knew every single inch, like every single second of this album, and it was just like so cool to revisit it mm-hmm. again. And you know, um, especially just I, I don't know. Are you a big? Have you ever listened to this thing? Or I don't think I have, if I'm being totally oh, honest. God, you show. Oh, you know what? We're, we're going to talk about that next week. We're, we're, we're definitely going to talk about this next week. So, okay. But I will say right now, um, "Blood Work" and "Skin and Atmosphere" are like just two of my favorite tracks off of this thing, and they're it's just it's a great album. It's almost 40 minutes long, so it's not too long, and it's just like it's it's fucking fantastic. So, anyway, you, you go. 
<laughs> I actually I listened to a ton of great new music this week, but uh, there's one album that I revisited just all week that for some reason uh, I just was feeling the itch. Uh, the self-titled Monobody album. Um, they're a uh, interesting, like I guess math fusion band. Like it, there's a lot of elements of jazz rock and math rock and um, just a general um you know playful technical vibe um there's one song um oh what's it called because it's kind of a tongue twister um let me pull it up there's one song that they have that i think is just one one of my all-time favorite songs and it is i don't know i just i love how it's so technical and so proficient in that way didn't it come out like last year no, their debut came out in 2015. Uh, wow. Yeah, their last album came out last year. But there, there's one song, if you listen to only one, it's uh, Curry, Career, Career, um, which is, is a, a phenomenal song. Like the way the piano flows with the, the, the bass and the guitar, and, and they, they have this, this one repeating motif that's just so catchy. Um, yeah, it's been my favorite album for, or not my favorite album, one of my favorite albums um, for a while. Um, and. It's just it's a phenomenal track. How's the uh, the production on that? Because I think you know with a lot of like modern jazz influenced music, the production can always be a little on like the smoother side. Um, it's definitely like I feel like the the creativity and the just the playfulness of the the music um, definitely overcomes some of the just the inherent smoothness of the production and and in general so the the tightness. It's definitely a very airtight uh, production, airtight performances, but they, the interplay, um, you might say it's, it does feel a little built in, but there is interplay there. And when they played live, they had a lot more um, energy and, and uh, you know, kind of playfulness between each of the, the people, the folks, if you will. You saw them live? Yeah. Um, Nick and I saw them... A little while back, uh, I, I forget when at this point. That was that was actually terrible because well, the, the show was great, but when I drove home, there was a snowstorm. Oh right, right. So I didn't get home until about two in the morning, and this was a work night. So yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was that was a thing. That was I, a, I remember that. Now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for this week. We've gone on pretty long. We've been going on long pretty like lately. Uh, but that's the that's just the way it happens. Them's the breaks. So. Them's the breaks. All right. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for listening. All right, bye. Bye.